you know, especially people as color, we sometimes, some of us already feel that they're less than. Right. And that mm-hmm. also then gives them another less than perception. Well, maybe, you know, they, 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 had, they had more capacities, but because the system already put them there. allow them to be great. Hello, everybody, and welcome to B-Squared C, a podcast celebrating the stories of women of color in the corporate world. I am your host, Nancy, and I hope everyone is safe and sane wherever you're listening to this from. Another new month, another new guest for you all to hear from. And this podcast has leaned heavily expat because that is largely my network or the people that I have access to. But finally, I landed a native black Dutch guest. I am so excited to uh, introduce you to Odelia Jo. Graciously, um, one of my friends uh, is her cousin who introduced me to her. And I had so many questions for her regarding growing up black in the Netherlands and how she's navigating the corporate world here. Odelia learned at an early age to stand up for herself against any racist bullying. And she continues to carve a path for herself on her terms in many ways. Our conversation covered all sorts of ground, including her upbringing, uh, navigating the Netherlands education system as a black kid, how she stepped into the corporate world and her passions outside of this space. You see, besides being a corporate badass, Odelia is also a writer, passionate about songwriting and education, and uh, she dedicates one day of her work week to that. Something else that is quite unique to corporate Netherlands, people working um, part-time. Odelia is an incredible ray of sunshine and positivity, and I learned so much from her. I cannot wait for you all to hear her story. Don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it from. And be that amazing friend and colleague who shares good things with the people in your life. I promise you, they will love you for it. Without further ado, here is Odilia's story. Odilia, hi. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) How, How do I say good evening in Dutch again? Guten avond. Guten avond. <laughs> yes. Okay. Okay. I was going to go with Guten Middag. <laughs> <laughs> also good, but it's evening. Oh, gosh. How are you? I'm good. I'm doing fine. Are you? Yeah. What have you been up to lately? Oh, working a little bit, but I had a nice mm-hmm. weekend last weekend. It was sunny still for October. Uh-huh. So went out with a friend. And- nice. Oh, now we can go out, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was also out watching. Uh, one of the activities I did was watch people run the Eindhoven Marathon. Oh, wow! Actually, yeah, I was cheering on a few friends. Yeah, I was not. I was not running. Just no. <laughs> not gonna be me. <laughs> but it was really fun to watch. Uh, it, it it feels like life is slowly coming back to some sort of normal, right? I know, I know. In that sense, in the Netherlands. But, but I'm excited that we finally get to have this conversation. <laughs> yes, me too. Me too. Yeah. 
after a few tries. Odelia, I'm going to start with having you introduce yourself to our audience with three stories, anecdotes, or just things that you think about you that define you. Yeah. So, yeah, my name is Adelia. I uh, grew up in Almere and I live now in Amsterdam and mm-hmm. I uh, I love the water. So in Almere, when I was younger, you would always find me on the beach as a kid, but also as a, a, a teenager with friends. And even now in Amsterdam, I live at Eiburg also just I can view the beach from my uh, windows. Oh, nice. I just always love the water and water sports. So mm-hmm. uh, not that I'm really good at swimming and, uh, you know, I did windsurfing, but I love them. So I yeah. do them. <laughs> <laughs> obsessed with, uh, with water. Love that. Love yeah. that. Yes. Uh, and yeah, and what else? If, if, if you think about me, uh, it's also books and reading. Uh, books and reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's school, a huge part of you. Yeah. In high school, when everybody uh, was not reading their books and just reading the summaries, I was just always reading all the books. The uh, whole book. Yes. Yes. <laughs> still, uh, <laughs> so you were one of those students who was raising their hand all the time. <laughs> I was and always finishing my homework like uh yeah really yeah yeah that kind of nerdy student I still <laughs> a nerd I love it love it what's another one another one oh yes I'm Surinamese I grew okay. up uh, in the Netherlands but I was born in Suriname mm-hmm. and when I was little already you learned to cook okay and okay clean that's always important you have chores and stuff and as I grew older, cooking is also still one of my uh, my obsession. Cooking, everything related to food, doesn't matter what kind of we see it is, it is if, it's not, if it's Thai, if it's Dutch, if it's Surinamese thing, I love to cook and eat. I mean, I'm going to hold you to that because <laughs> I'm already inviting myself to your house. For- <laughs> come, come. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks for sharing those three things. I think already there is so much that we can unpack there. First, already I wanted to uh, describe to our audience because they are, uh, uh, Biscuit C is listened all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just let them know that Almera and Amsterdam are cities in the Netherlands. Good, yes. <laughs> yeah, I was like, good, to, good to get that out there, right? <laughs> in that sense. Uh, so they're, they're cities in the Netherlands. We are definitely going to hit on books because they are some fantastic things that you are doing around that. Mm-hmm. Um, so excited to, to hear more about that. Great. Let's get into your career arc. Mm-hmm. Um, so what did you study and yeah. what, where did it, that journey start for your career? Yes, yeah, so I studied cultural organization and management at the okay. university here in Amsterdam. And it's basically a study that teaches you how to um, cope with cultural changes with organization and how to um, guide and manage those. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also like change management. Okay. Okay. And just basically everything, if you know, an organization wants to go through a new process or a new system change or a department wants to change their culture, giving you all the guidelines and the tools how to capture uh, that. Okay. okay. I studied and actually also what I then went into my career wise. So I became a change manager and my company that I, that I work with, uh, it's really about 
guiding that department even more to all the changes and the, the new blueprint that we want for the organization. So it's a little bit right. different, but it's still creative. Okay, so when you are in the helm of, of guiding uh, departments, whole departments and organization, what are some of the biggest challenges that you face? It's always actually the same, huh? Like people, um, they, uh, they get afraid of what they don't know. And mm-hmm. they want to know, of course, what they can expect. And there's also sometimes uh, a bit uh, mistrust, you know, trust issues. Because okay. they're like, mm-hmm. okay, you say you want to do this, but this is really that case. So you really have to build that trust and a relationship and really explain to them, you know, why do we want to do this? What do we want to achieve? Mm-hmm. How are we going to do that? And also what is expected from them. So it's like really going through those phases and right. then, um, you can really try to uh, help them better. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. What does your current company do? Oh, so they're um, building components uh, company and building materials. They're okay. one of the biggest in the, in the world. And uh, basically also international, around 75,000 people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've worked there for almost a year. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yes, that's so new. Great. Yeah. All right. Odelia. Um, so you also do not work entirely all five days of the week, right? No, correct. So that's something that was entirely new for me. <laughs> so <laughs> let's talk about this cultural piece of, of corporate Netherlands uh, as well. How did you make this decision? And then we talk about what do you do? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think it's, for me, it, it came, um, actually, I, I some companies, it's indeed what you say in the Netherlands is normal. Uh, mm-hmm. like the higher people get in my time, when I was in my 20s, you would see more people working four days a week. And okay. it, it was young parents that were doing that by uh, when I was in my, uh, in my 20s. Okay. But for me, it was more, um, you know, I was indeed working five days a week and I, and I started to do a writing course, mm-hmm. side work. And it said, okay, eight hours a week needed to do your homework and, you know, mm-hmm. study and reading material. So I was trying to cope that with my five days um, work. And I thought like, no, actually I need a day off because yeah. you, know, you need to be creative, you need to get in the mindset, you need to just, you know, just be really out of that business and the corporate life so I said let me just uh, um, take 40 days uh, for a period Mm -hmm. and then uh, at the fifth day I do all my homework read all my uh, literally many 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 chapters right do the homework do a lot of reviews because you also need to read other people's uh, uh, work and stories Mm -hmm. and I liked it and I was like yeah, why would I go back to five days if I can, if it's possible to work four days? Wow. Um, and also because by, that was my previous job, it was allowed to, uh, they changed their rules that it was allowed to do four times nine. Okay. Uh, that's why I uh, then uh, yeah, kept So you took the opportunity and you actually utilized it to grow your talent in other ways. Yes, yes. To pursue your creative passions, right? Yeah, yeah. Because I've also learned from, uh, you know, through my career from uh, a lot of good people that always said, you know, you always need to make time for your passion, whatever it is and mm. whatever form you do it, always ensure that you do it. Because if you miss out on that, you will notice it during the week. You know, you get a bit cranky or mm. 
you know, a bit angry or upset or whatever, just ensure that you have that proper time and you make time to do uh, whatever your passion is. And wow. uh, I think that was one of the most valuable lessons that I have uh, learned and uh, learned. Yeah, somebody say to me. I love it. I love that you've made space for for your for your creative passion like this and that you know at least the culture here allows you to do that. True, true. Right. That's yeah. quite a privilege that a lot of people around the world uh, in other parts of the world like well corporate America where I came from when I moved here don't have that. No. Um at all. No, no indeed and and it's indeed it's it's a privilege to uh, to have that and still be able to have enough days off mm-hmm. on top of those uh, four days that you're working right and still be able to make that career and I hope I honestly hope that the pandemic also for other co- uh, companies and countries around the world will uh, teach us you know just to get that shift going on I, I would love right. a world well where we all work four days a week you know so it's been quite uh it's been quite the talk right uh i think like sweden or one it's sweden right they implemented the four-day work week Mm -hmm. like as a country (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know and i was like this makes so much sense (laughs) by the time i reach friday i'm exhausted (laughs) no no it's true and even some companies i don't know if it was a company in spain maybe was trying to do uh um Shorter working hours, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of, you know, working till five, six, uh, finish earlier. So right. I think I hope in uh, 50 or 100 years from now, uh, you know, we will have. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, are we going to be here 50 to 100 years? Reincarnated. We don't know. <laughs> we'll remember. <laughs> <laughs> we hope we remember. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So Ma, I have a question about that. Uh, regarding, you know, um, so this is a challenge that I have seen or at least have anecdotally heard in the women's network at my company, right? Mm-hmm. The perception around working less hours mm-hmm. um, and the impact it can have on your on your career, on your progression mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I will already tell you that what I've learned is that those women who are working like four days a week, they are busting their ass. They are working even more than us who are like five days a week. True. But <laughs> it is not always taken positively. So have you experienced any negative perception around that? Or what has been your experience with compared to your coworkers and how have managers received that with you? Yeah. I have to be honest. I have never received any complaint about okay. that or condescending uh, comments mm-hmm. towards me, maybe behind my back, I don't know. Huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but, uh, but never weird comments, because in the end of the day, I'm, and I, that's why I'm happy, it's about results. And mm-hmm. I can definitely see that that's in some areas you're, you're uh, able to be uh, more efficient in four days. Because uh, you okay. know that, you, you really want to be off that fifth day that you're uh, you're not working but i think it also depends on um how um let me say that how you are in that situation do you feel yourself that you're doing less or should right serve mm-hmm. you know uh less chances for promotion because you're working four days a week and i'm like no i work four days a week and when i'm there i own it 
Mm-hmm. And, and I, I participated in all the meetings and the important ones are just like, don't do those on Fridays because I'm not there. Right. Right. And luckily it's accepted. And, but I'll be honest, I am flexible. If really needed to work on the Friday, if I will, if I will really need it. Indeed. I will dial in. It's not like I'm never, ever. No. So I have flexibility, flexibility and, and, and that's accepted. You, so just to be clear, you have not experienced I'm happy you've not experienced any kind of negativity to your face about it, mm-hmm. but you don't feel like during the trajectory of your career that you've missed out on good projects or promotions or something. No. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing that. Okay, so let's go to your creative endeavor, the one that you are spending um, your one day of the week on. What do you do? Yeah, so I I have uh, uh, one of my passions is writing. So it's not only reading, but also writing. Mm-hmm. So what I started doing um, is writing uh, uh, actually songs. I've been writing songs since I was a teenager. Oh, okay. Um, so uh, during my days off, then I uh, gather all those little pieces of paper through all the years and just started typing them. Love it. Computer and, and, and categorizing them according to genre. Um, also, had, like a lot of stories in my head for um, for scripts for movies. Okay, okay. For series. Also started to write those down, um, and I also started on uh, um, uh, a few uh, ideas for books that I had. Okay. So also did that all after I did my writing courses first, um, and then you, of course for me it was important to gain some basic knowledge and some techniques. And then feel more comfortable in your own, uh, you know, your own qualities. Okay. And that's what I still continue to do on uh, on uh, my days off mm-hmm. writing. And one of my main passions as well is uh, um, education. So in my uh, spare time when I was living, I lived in different countries. But when I was living in Jamaica, I met a woman who had her own uh, uh, company, really mm-hmm helping students to uh, choose the right career path. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that has always been one of my passions. So now I um, even create like a version in uh, the Dutch and I'll start to see what I can do to help the education system in, in Suriname. So it's all still a work in progress. Okay. A lot of have, has been created already, but then the pandemic hit. So we had to, you know, change our planning. Right. But it's writing and education. That's what I uh, spend my non-corporate time. Yes. <laughs> I can't wait to see your Netflix. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I think there's a script somewhere in your head that we are going to see in the future, I think. <laughs> one day, one day, yes. <laughs> Love it. So let's talk about the education bit um, a little bit. So one of my personal observations in the Netherlands, or at least I've I've, I've learned a lot, right, about how you all um, navigated the education Mm -hmm. system and the fact that it puts students on different paths super early on and stuff like that. Uh, What was your experience with that so what I've also noticed, I grew up uh, in the Netherlands. I was born in Suriname, but I grew up here. And in my uh, primary school already, uh, basically you had like the um, children were already also already finished their homework really quickly and like were in a special extra class. Okay. Mm-hmm. I was always in that extra class, but by the time it was time to go to high school, 
and I had to get an advice from my primary school teacher. Um, he said to my mother, so yes, she can go into the middle class. So you have, you know, right. like the pre, uh, pre-university college and then uh, math. Yeah, college. yeah. So let, let's describe those those parts yeah. right now for, for, for the audience, right? Mm-hmm. So the top one is for going to university. Correct. Then the middle one is the one that your the the counselor was recommending for you, right? Yes, there's actually like, a layer between. So it's pre-university and then kind of college. Okay. And then middle and then the um, I said vocational education. Vocational, vocational. Yes. So it's is it three layers then? Of actually four layers. It was four, four layers. layers by that time, and okay. he was um, advising me to do the the second layer. So the college one. What is the difference between the college and university layer? Um, not that much. I think you know the the college one is a bit more uh, practical, they would say, and then a university uh, is a bit more uh, scientific. So okay, university is more scientific. Okay, great. I think we covered it. So keep going. <laughs> yes. So he advised that, and my mom was like, uh, "No way! It makes no sense if you look at her, you know, her grades and and stuff." But it was more, and that was the interesting piece. He said, mm-hmm. "Yeah, but if you look at her behavior." Mm. So he mixed that, and when I got older, I thought about what he what he actually meant or actually now only I think a few years I discovered like whoa some people and and it's more it's not only he does it but more and more people in the uh in the Netherlands do that so of course I'm a woman of color and Uh I work in the Netherlands and especially in my last year um at primary school even though I had like a really nice primary school Mm -hmm. I had to deal with some really racial comments from uh right um, some of my uh classmates mm-hmm. and I stand up for myself that's what my mom taught me you know you just open your mouth and you're like yo no don't do that you know and right. turned out into a fight huh? mm-hmm. <laughs> then it turns into a physical fight right but nobody messes with with you that's you know how I was was raised so I think what happened is because I was standing up for myself it was seen as oh no that's not what the people there on that level will do while it has nothing to do it has with nothing to do with here. that it's context related right correct correct so that's that so thank you for already sharing that because that's for me that's where i've been trying to understand the bias in the system sometimes and mm-hmm. um, in where they place like uh you know students of color very early and for what reasons and for indeed and also and what typically happens is a lot of parents accept it mm. or accept the reasoning, what they are telling. Yeah, but he or she is also really talented in sports and he already plays for that. So maybe he will become and they accept it. And my mom, luckily, was also like, no, school goes first and mm-hmm. if she can do or any of the children can do the highest. Yeah, let them do that. But basically, and also I think what they keep forgetting is as, as a young person always of color you will always be a bit more focused because as a little child even if I look at my cousins from now you know they're you know eight nine years old if you hear some of the racist things that they tell me that they have mm-hmm. heard I'm like oh yeah of course you're more 
<laughs> vocal than some of your other classmates because you right. have to deal with it on a, at an earlier age. Mm-hmm. You have to stand up for yourself, and it's going to be something that's going to continue for the rest of your life. But it doesn't mean that you you cannot be handled or that don't know how to react in what circumstances. You will become right. better as you grow older. Maybe as a child you're a bit more eh, outbursty, but you you know that's just the way it is, and it doesn't mean that you're not capable of learning. Mm-hmm. That is so interesting. And it's a phenomenon that is just not only here, right? So I know that when I was uh, still in college in America, I was volunteering uh, quite a bit, like in the local community as mm-hmm. well. And there is a whole conversation just around Black black girls, right? Mm-hmm. Being penalized more <laughs> mm-hmm. um, in school and being um, labeled aggressive mm-hmm. uh, or fast, but those early moments, right? If your parents didn't advocate for you, if your mother didn't advocate for you, you would have been on an entirely different path. Correct. Right? Correct. And it's not even your parents. It's like really, if if you're lucky enough to have that environment of, you know, mm-hmm. uncles, aunts, neighbors, you know, just your community to, to help with that. Because for me, what I have learned, I always try to go back to the root cause. So even, I know that's what my teacher said then from primary school. So after my second year, then you get like the final decision in high school Mm -hmm. I just went back to him with my report I was then I should have been 13 14 Mm -hmm. showed him here see all eights and nines out of tens Mm -hmm. for all my grades French uh, German uh, mathematics and see pre-university you know just check next time when you do give somebody advice on that I was like no I'm just going back with my report in his face Right. You know, um, and I hope more people will do that. And also, I think what happens in, in the Netherlands, and that makes me really sad. Mm-hmm. I, I met a, a girl that I was with at high school, and I was like, hey, how are you? I haven't seen you in many years. And I said, so I said yeah, so I, I worked here then. After high school, I did that. And she's like, oh, I only did this, you know. Mm-hmm. And it broke my heart because I think, you know, especially people as color, we sometimes some of us already feel that they're less than. Right. And that also then gives them another less than perception. Well, maybe, you know, they they, they had they had more capacities, but because the system already put them there. Allow them to be great. Right. I love that. And I love that you say that and acknowledge that. Unfortunately for people of color, that's not always so. No, no. Your potential gets nipped in the bud like super early on people of color and also you, you we would already notice if we would talk more or laugh and maybe we would laugh a bit louder than the other yes because we laugh from the belly <laughs> we yeah we would get a bit more in trouble than the other so we're like hey but we always you know finish our homework or we do listen and 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 even to be honest in 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 high school i remember one time saying like uh, one of my mathematics teacher uh, saying to uh, one of my, you know, my, my friends, my white Dutch friends, so not my colored Dutch friends, he's being really rac- racist towards me and another um, friend of color. And they were like, mm-hmm. no, 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 he's not like that and blah, blah, blah. Right. Fast forward a few years later, my little brother, he's four years younger, has the same teacher. And you know what he says to him? 
Yeah. Apologize to your sister how I treated her back then. Because wow. I had some trauma oh. from myself from when he was teaching in a, a apparently in a, a colored class. Mm-hmm. And I projected that on her. So apologize to her. And I'm like, see, you know, because people always think you're crazy and it's always you're playing the race car, but sometimes you just know. Because it's you just know. Obvious, you know, if you go and ask something to him and you know he's always like no i'm busy or uh ask uh, uh another student and then yeah, another girl stands up or boy uh-huh. literally uh 10 seconds later it's like you know they get help and you don't that's clear prejudice right there <laughs> yeah and, and really and and, I'm, and but i was happy that at least you know he acknowledged it to my brother yeah. years later uh but still you know it didn't help it, I, yeah. Yeah. Back then it didn't help because it, it, it didn't help. Uh, but it's good that uh, at least maybe they won't treat uh, your brother and others like that, you know. Correct. Right. So it broke the cycle. And for that, I am grateful. Yeah. I'm glad for that too. Um, so then, last question around this topic, and then we'll move on. Just thinking about the current climate around this topic, right? Of, uh, of inequality, racial inequality, and stuff like that. And especially given the how it blew up last year, uh, mm-hmm. not only in the US, but around the world, what has been your experience and where do you think the Netherlands is at? I'm experiencing it as an expert. So that's a very different view. But you as a native to this country, what are your <laughs> perceptions? Yeah. And, and oh, I, I, I think we still have a long way to go mm-hmm. as the Netherlands compared to how can I explain this best? Take your time. <laughs> like, okay, so for example, in American, America, you have Black Americans, you have White Americans, you have Asian Americans, Hispanic right. Americans, but everyone in the end is American, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So maybe there is difference in how people are treated, but you're American. Right. In the Netherlands, and, and also in Suriname, you know, in Suriname, we have different people from, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm black, you have people with Hindi background, Chinese, but in the end, you know, we speak the language, so we're all Surinamese. Mm-hmm. Netherlands, it's not like that. Okay. And that's a big shift that still needs to change, because in the Netherlands, it's like, you cannot be hybrid. So, like, people will say, like, I'm a Tex-Mex. Mm-hmm. It's accepted. I'm a, in, in the Netherlands, it's like, no, you need to choose. And if you if you say like, oh, no, but I'm Surinamese or I'm Surinamese Dutch. It's like, no, no, but why? Why don't you want to be Dutch? Even though they don't even see, some of you don't see you as Dutch. They will always ask, where are, where you, are from? you from? <laughs> and for me, I'm literally, I'm from Suriname because I was born there. But I will always feel sorry for the people that, you know, grew up here or actually were born here. And, mm-hmm. and, and their children are born here. And they're not from somewhere. They have roots in a different country, but they right. are Dutch. They are Dutch. Whatever their root is, that combination. And that's a major, major, major shift mm-hmm. that still needs to be happening in the Netherlands. And that's long, long, long overdue. Because they can continue to say like, yo, but the people of color have not been living here for so long. Well, people from Brazil have mm-hmm. also not been living long in Suriname. Yeah, they're Brazilian Surinamese. When you speak the language, you live there. You're 
whatever you come from with Surinamese. Right, 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 right. Mm. That is so interesting to think about, right? Uh, because I know that I had to check myself a couple of times. I'll tell you that my my bias, at least the first time I moved here, was when someone says a Dutch person, I see a white blonde person. Mm-hmm. That's yes. that's the association in my head. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, but with time, obviously, I've gotten to meet more people of color here. Uh, the because of all the colonies, right? Uh, by the way, for our audience, Suriname is one of the yes. <laughs> colonies <laughs> of of uh, the, the Dutch colonies, right? Uh, from some time back. Ah, an interesting fact, uh, right? That um, the Dutch actually traded New York. <laughs> For Suriname, that's a true yeah. story, right? Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in, in that case. But in any case, though, um, I know I had to check myself uh, on my own bias uh, because that's what I think immediately in my head mm-hmm. uh, when, when someone says like a Dutch person mm-hmm. uh, and to think about the totality of the Dutch identity, right? Yeah. And who else is encapsulated in it. Mm-hmm. And the legacy of it around the world. Indeed, indeed. Right. No, no, yeah, it's indeed. But it's, I think even some of us have that, even though we don't see ourselves like that. But that's because that's the norm. You always that's the norm. Mm-hmm. Go with the norm, right? Even though you want to go, you, you you go against it, and you're like trying to change it. That's the norm. So that's why you then you specify like, oh, actually, I mean a mm-hmm, Dutch person. Um, the people's like, no, I'm not this, and I'm not, you know, I'm just Dutch. And it's true, you you are Dutch, but you're a Dutch person of color. Mm-hmm, so you know, mm-hmm. you're you're a hybrid, and it's okay, and it should be you should be accepted. I think in the end, for me, um, everyone chooses right mm-hmm. uh, who they want to be and how they they want to to navigate mm-hmm. life. I guess you can't force no true. people to uh, acknowledge their identity (laughs) yeah and also what they don't feel like in the end of the day you create that's true you create your own identity but it's for me what's important is that don't pretend that you're something that you're not something you know right for example even people of color cannot be here in the Netherlands and say like no I'm not Dutch of course you're Dutch you live here or you grew up here you know just don't be like you're more Dutch than you even think. Just go abroad and live abroad for a few years, then you will see how actually Dutch how you Dutch are. you are. <laughs> are you know? So yes. it's it's it both ways. And mm-hmm. same way, don't go like no, I don't feel uh, you know Moroccan or whatever because I'm not that. Of course you yeah. are, but maybe not. You know, you're you're your own whatever identity you created. But it's mm-hmm. it's a mix. Identity is so complicated. Yeah you better wow okay <laughs> super um thank you so much for for sharing or sharing all of that um i think i think uh, a lot of people listening will find it very valuable and some of them may definitely see themselves in you mm-hmm. in many ways i hope so <laughs> <laughs> i appreciate it all right let's go to um, Adelia, what you are, I'm sure that this is going to be hard for you because you read so many books, (laughs) but give us one book that you've read that impacted you. Uh, um, Oh gosh, what impacted me? The the book that I love the most, also a bestseller, it's like from a Turkish writer, writer, Elif uh, Shafiq, if I pronounce it correct, The 40 Rules of Love. Oh, 40 Rules of Love. Yes. Okay, what is it about? It's an amazing book. It's basically 
about a um, poet um, and then uh, it, it plays in Persia mm-hmm. and basically it just goes through actually also kind of a, a, a destiny and a, and, and a, and a, um, a destiny and t- a different kind of personalities okay that okay. you have in the in, in people and the way the book is set up is like so complex but so Ooh. genius she's a genius that writer she's wow okay um, and you just learn to always just be humble and kind to other human beings right um either it's family or friends um and also it's never too late to make changes whatever uh, decision you have chosen Odilia, what three words would you describe yourself with and why Definitely energetic, caring, and positive. Positive. I like those. Yeah. That's- yeah, I don't think you have to describe. <laughs> you have to describe them. <laughs> yeah. They already shone out in many ways throughout this conversation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in many stuff like that. Okay. Do you have a song? Do you have a hype up song? A song that gets you going anytime, anytime it comes on. Mm. Or if you're about to go into some big meeting or something like that, that's the song you want to hear. Oh, I I would call I call it my high pop song. The high pop song. Oh yes. gosh, I have I have multiple though. So at this time, what's your number one? At this time, at the moment, it's probably "Wait Till You See My Smile" from Alicia Keys. Oh, yeah. I definitely also when uh, uh, when I was uh, starting my career, uh-huh. you know, one time maybe sometimes you would have like a eh, not so good day, and you're like, ah, mm-hmm. come, let's do the wait till you see my smile. Uh, oh, I love yeah. it. Ah, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's beautiful. Like the, don't they like to see you down, kick you while you're on the ground? Don't let emotions so. Mm-hmm. People always speculate. They don't. They say things they don't know. Ah, oh, ah. Oh. Yeah. is one of my favorite singers yeah. and songwriters, right? Because oh. she writes all her music as well. She's super talented. She's amazing. She's yeah, amazing. she's crazy talented. Mm-hmm. Great. Let's uh, close this off. Parting words. Three pieces of advice that you have for other women of color out there. I would say always, definitely, doesn't matter corporate life, you know, uh, personal life. As women of color, never be afraid to also, you know, you you know your vulnerable side because we are, we can be okay. vulnerable but mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. we're so taught to be to be strong and to always fight, and you know, sometimes it's also good to be like. Seriously, yeah. just just this this what you just said. This really hurts me. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. pause. Be vulnerable. Pause. Don't go into then the discussion and explaining and why and and you know defending yourself. Just say basically, you know, this what you just said. This this, this really, is not okay. This is not okay, and this this really hurts me. And just yeah. stop there. Stop. And yeah. See how another person uh, uh, will react. I think that's so powerful because just to I think the big the big challenge there is acknowledging that your feelings are, va- uh, are valid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. That when you feel like this, that it's valid. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's probably the reason why people will go into long explanations or don't at all say anything because they don't think 
that their feelings are valid. Yeah, yeah, indeed. You know? And also then, you know, and maybe some, if somebody even comes back and explain yourself that I don't understand, like, you can also say like, you know, no, I don't want to talk to about it now if you don't feel comfortable or another day, just... Boundaries. Yeah, just <laughs> yeah. Let, it, let it be, but just know like, hey, what you said, not okay, not okay. that really hurt me and just, you know, mm-hmm. also fi- find that balance in knowing when because that would be my other advice yes Mm -hmm. also definitely do speak up never let yourself that you feel that you're less than others you know sit in the front rows be confident enough to speak up Mm -hmm. you know in meetings even if you don't are not comfortable with the subject and and just be like okay Maybe I don't know uh, enough of it, but I just still want to ask this question. Right. You know, and ask confidently, or is this what you mean? Definitely speak up confidently. Right. And my third advice, maybe a bit more for the, for the youngsters. It's, it's a, a book to read it. Good girls don't get a corner office. Ah, that book. Yeah. I think it's called Nice Girls Don't Get the Corner Office. Oh, corner. yes. Nice Girls Don't Get the mm-hmm. Corner Office. No. My manager and I talked about that book quite recently, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> she has it as well. Uh, it's an oldie, mm-hmm. but a goodie, I it, must say. Yeah. I would yeah. definitely, for the youngsters, just getting into the corporate world, corporate life. Read that book. Really smart, small chapters practical advice and- very practical yes yeah. i remember yeah. that great mm-hmm. well adelia it was such a pleasure having you on the podcast thank you thank you for having me of course of course um thank you for sharing i think sharing just your very personal experiences and perspectives um it will absolutely enlighten a lot of people out there who will listen to this and i'm super happy that you designed your life right <laughs> uh to be what you what you want it to be and i i, I honestly can't wait for the netflix special it's <laughs> gonna come from your script yeah yeah no me neither who knows who knows i already knows? Like start movies on youtube you can also already find them <laughs> <laughs> all right well I am rooting for you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you again for being on the podcast. That's it from me this uh, week. Thank you to my wonderful guest, Odilia, for sharing her story on B Squared C. I would love, love to hear your thoughts on this episode. Come over to the B Squared C Instagram and LinkedIn page um, and let me know. If you like what you heard, go ahead and give yourself five stars wherever you're listening to it from. And don't forget to share this uh, with your network. In uh, two weeks' time, I'll be back with a reflection of some of the things that Odilia and I talked about. I mean, she gave me so much uh, to, to think about. So let's see where we land. Until then, I am your host, Nancy. Be safe. Be empowered and stay inspired.